Do you ever recognize someone you know in the following story? It might even be you. A lot of very intelligent, thoughtful, and even awakened women allow behavior towards them that would make most people cringe. And I was reminded of this while witnessing the following. A mid-30s male came in a backyard screaming obscenities at his former girlfriend, making threats and demands in front of her and her friends and family, including her son. She then cowered and followed him out the yard, trying to calm him down. Like she should have just ignored him, right? Have you ever witnessed something like this and don't know what to do to help either party? I mean, everybody in the backyard was traumatized by this. Right now, you're listening to Scientific Healing with Dr. Anastasia Choplis. I know the power of vibrational healing by combining physics and ancient healing arts to develop my own system that has amplified results for hundreds of my clients and healing students. The most important factor in your life for health, wealth, longevity, and happiness are your relationships. You can discover more about scientific healing and the deceptively simple processes for interacting with others positively and effectively. Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash relationship to learn how to be energetically attractive to others and magnetically attract the right people to you. One thing I've discovered in working with some amazing women and men is that they might be totally brilliant and yet their relationships are challenging, difficult, and even baffling to them and to others. This is especially difficult for highly sensitive and empathic people. I too struggled because of my introverted nature, my upbringing, and my sensitivity towards others. There are several reasons, about a dozen, that women are attractive to abusive men and vice versa, men attractive to abusive women, and it has nothing to do with intelligence. Intelligence, you know, IQ and emotional intelligence are really two different things. And there are about a dozen reasons that are commonly given by the, the abused partner themselves as to why they don't or won't leave a destructive and abusive relationship. So today I'm going to talk about two of them, and they're uh, a little bit related. And I'll outline my experiences along with some of the before and after healing results. First of all, just so you know, relationships are energetically very, very complex and are at the top of that the, that list of factors that are important for your health, longevity, happiness, and even your wealth. And relationships operate on all levels of your existence, which means spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, financial, relational, Right. And to complete a full relationship healing when trauma is involved in your interpersonal life, healing is done on about 12 energetic connections to others, to your higher self, and also internally. And so you can imagine that an abusive relationship with one individual means that there are probably others particularly with someone early in your life where you didn't really have a choice in the matter 
basically, as my mom used to say, up until 18, you're a victim. And after that, you're a volunteer. So the problem with these early relationships is that it often leads to distorted thoughts about yourself and what a healthy relationship should look like. So that's the first reason is that your your internal feelings about what you're doing and all of that are really distorted. And I, I, when I was very young, I knew it didn't feel good. I got told I should know better when I was doing things that just came naturally to active, curious kids, but felt I was to blame for doing something quote unquote wrong. And I thought there was something wrong with me. So then when someone came along that said they loved me, my concept of what love meant was actually unhealthy. If I got yelled at for things that I had no control over, like, oh, a letter didn't arrive on time, and then I would get yelled at, it felt kind of normal, like, oh, it didn't rise above the threshold of abnormal, like, you know, where you would put your hands up and go, no, that's not for me, right? After all, it was always my fault and I was always wrong. So early in my relationship, I we agreed. He said it was my fault and I agreed that it was my fault, right? So there's no, no reason number one, it's a distorted sense of self. And it comes from someone else exerting a huge amount of control on you and dictating what is right and what was wrong. In other words, they become your God. And you don't even realizing realize you're experiencing abuse. Like I didn't. It's like the guy that tries to talk you into something you don't want to do and you say no. And they take it as a challenge to convince you otherwise. So they wear you down and wear you down until you say yes. In a world where you're respected, a no is a no and a yes is a yes, period. <laughs> and along with... And a lot of people that are have healthy sense of self, when they say no and the other person tries to convince them, the healthy person will just walk away and say, I'm out of here, right? But the unhealthy person will stay in it. So along with the always feeling wrong about everything you choose to do, your self-worth is also damaged. So that's number two. And... Uh, when I was younger, I didn't really feel like I belonged in the world because I was kind of an oddball. I was highly successful academically in the sciences and then later in my career. So in my professional life, I didn't allow that abusive behavior. I, I really drew really clear boundaries. And because my upbringing didn't affect my choice of career. And a lot of us it caught up in the abusive cycle are busy pleasing other people. It's like having your career chosen by someone else. And then you discover that no matter what you do outside your career vocation, that is sucking the life out of you. And I've met a number of well-educated people that have doctorates in science, a law degree, or even a medical degree that are doing something else entirely than what their education was about. And I luckily chose to stick with mine despite disapproval because even though my mom didn't approve, mainly because she didn't understand it, my dad loved it. And he's the one that introduced me to science. So he encouraged me 
while my mom was confused. However, it doesn't mean that my self-worth was, wasn't damaged. In fact, it comes out in other ways. I found myself talking about my accomplishments too much for my taste, right? Even though it was required in the sciences, but it made being able to speak to people outside the sciences extremely difficult. And I was also stiff around people. I didn't dare let them see who I really was. And people that, that I say that to now, they're going like, what? Really? You? <laughs> That's how much healing has done. It has basically transformed how I feel about myself and my life and all of that. And when my ex-husband was critical of me at that time, I believed him. He said all sorts of things that insinuated that I was incompetent, incapable, even questioned my decisions in the lab, which uh, was something that I was an expert on, not him. I felt unattractive, incompetent, and just plain always wrong. And when your feelings of self-worth are gone, you feel incapable of navigating the outside world without that partner. And that's exactly what they're trying to produce. They're the ones that are insecure, not you. And so they're afraid of you leaving them. So they create an environment which is really difficult for you to leave and you get trapped into it. So that partner becomes your God, much like your parent did, whichever parent it was that that created those feelings within you or what other or other adult in your in your life there are many more reasons why we stay dis in stuck in these dysfunctional relationships which i will be introducing in the upcoming broadcast but i just want to address these two first i want to talk about both practical and energetic solutions to these two issues those are your distorted feeling your distorted feelings about yourself and your low self-worth. So I wanted to share some of the thought processes that I went through back at that time. I was, you know, I'm 68 now. I was about 41. So it's getting, it's getting to be quite a while, but I still remember the, how I felt at that time, like very, very deeply. So just so you know, it took me, first of all, a long time to recognize that I was in emotional pain. I didn't even know it because I didn't know what it was like to not have the issues happening around me. I even read stories of other people. My mom would send me these books and I even read stories of other people that were in similar situations and I did not recognize myself in them. I'm going, oh, yeah, I wonder how she got like that. <laughs> and I was in the exact same situation. And then later after I realized it and I reread them and I'm going, oh, yeah, uh-huh, that's the same conversation that I had, right? And for me, it was normal to sit all day in a funk and stare off into outer space uh, because it was emotionally immobilized. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything. I was really stuck. I just didn't know how to get out of it. I knew and so on some level that I was miserable because there were many days where I felt like getting in my car and just driving off into the sunset and going somewhere else. So you know that, that when you feel like that, something's not up. Now I would never dream of it because I love my life. So 
the other thing is that I second guessed everything that I said to others feeling like, oh, I didn't say the right thing. And so then I, I took this mini quiz in a book that I was reading and it said, well, if you answer yes to two out of the 10 questions, you're in some emotional pain. But I answered yes to nine out of the 10 questions. And I realized, oh, my God, I must be in emotional pain, but I can't I can't tell what it is. And the way it comes out in lots of ways, the way it came out in me is, you know, aside from the stress and my blood pressure starting to climb through the roof, I ended up getting very sick. I was so sick that I, I had more days in bed than upright during my 41st year. And the decision really came down, is it him or me, right? And the, the scary thing is if I didn't have two young children at the time, which I felt very, very committed to being here and healthy for, uh, I would have chosen him. But because they were there, I chose me. That's how low my feelings of self-worth were. So here are some of the simple steps that I took to kind of get myself out of that hole. I felt like I was stuck in this deep well and there was only this little light above that I was trying to climb up to. Is I took my son's baseball bat, it was plastic, and I, I hid myself in my room and I beat a pillow and I kept beating it to release the anger that I had stored up all the years. You know, I started to realize the injustices and I, I started beating the pillow. And the thing that I started to realize is that it wasn't them, it was me. I was allowing it because you have full power to take back your life. And that was my first step. And then the next, uh, and then a few days later, I went out in my garden. We had a whole bunch of dandelions in the lawn and I just pulled them out one by one. And I imagined that every unhealthy behavior, every unhealthy relationship, every angry word ever said to me was being dug out <laughs> and, and thrown out. You know, we were clearing our lives out. I was clearing my life and my children's life out of all that unhealthy stuff. And that both of those were, you know, was kind of weird, but kind of cathartic. And then uh, I, I went jogging every morning. It was my meditation time. It was probably the thing that kept me from dying. And even when I was really sick, I would go for walks. And I would say, if I can't run, I'll walk. And if I can't walk, I'll crawl. Right. And during one of the walks, I used to think that everything was wrong with me because I liked science and sports and doing, you know, building things and doing things that men liked. And so then I must be, there must be something wrong with me being a female because my mom used to have this kind of like, look at me like, why are you doing that? Why are you lifting weights? Why are you running all the time? <laughs> and so, so I decided that, you know, I've been deeply spiritual my whole life, and I decided that God didn't make mistakes, so therefore I wasn't wrong. I was perfect the way I was, even though I was different from other people, right? So maybe that thought will help you too. And then uh, there are two other things that I did that really helped release me from the, like, it's like the stranglehold of wrongness. And so one of them was I saw a video of me doing 
uh, ordinary things, cooking, writing, joking, and playing sports. Uh, we were playing ping pong and I was in the video and I didn't see this, like, I felt creepy inside about myself, but then I looked at it and I go, oh, there's nothing wrong with that person. Like, why am I being so criticized? Like, that person is kind of fun and funny and, you know, <laughs> sort of pleasant. And so I realized that you, you can't judge yourself because you are in the container and you can't see the outside. And it isn't until you're filmed, and a lot of, pe of us don't like being filmed, and, uh, or are very self-conscious about it. And so then when you finally see yourself, like I saw myself and I'm going, oh, that person's all right. And I mentioned it to my secretary at the time. And she goes, yeah, you're a lot of fun to be around. And I'm going, oh, that's interesting. That's something I never even considered. And then the other thing I did was, you know, I'd been given all these labels of incompetent, uh, uh, unpleasant, manly, you know, all kinds of things. I felt ugly and awkward and uh, not knowledgeable enough to handle myself or not capable of handling my, you know, of managing my own life. And I took all of those labels and I wrote them down one by one on little sheets of paper and I put them in a box and then I tied, there was about 20 of them, and I tied up the box with a ribbon like a gift. And then I lit fire to it, and I was sending, <laughs> I was sending all of the unpleasant energy up into outer space to be released from me. And I let go of all the labels. It was really magical. So between pulling the weeds and beating my pillow and recognizing that God didn't make mistakes when he made us, right? That I finally were able, was able to release that feeling of there's something wrong with me. And then when I got criticized, I could, instead of putting that filter on that I'm always wrong, I put the filter on of, is that a correct statement or not? And if it's not correct, then I just let it roll off like I was Teflon. And so during my divorce from my ex-husband, he would say, oh, you're such a liar. And I go, so? Because <laughs> I knew it wasn't correct. <laughs> and I didn't have to argue with him. Because as soon as you argue with somebody, you have already lost, right? And here are just a few other steps I took to transform. Adding those things that I did to the energy healing process, I started at this point in my 40s, I started this. The relief was almost immediate. The transformation took time, but the relief was almost immediate. And you can go through a simple five-step process in the free relationship healing program at scientifichealer.com forward slash relationship. It's the first of three and maybe four steps in the program. So stay, stay tuned in the next few episodes to find out more about relationships and what to do to heal them, mainly healing yourself. Thank you so much for listening to Scientific Healing. Let's you and I connect. Go to scientifichealer.com forward slash relationship and sign up for your free five-day relationship healing program. 
Some of you that help or heal others intuitively or energetic are unaware of the energetic residues from old relationship that sit in your body or energy field that are repelling your ideal clients. When you're ready to move forward with learning the science and art of profound healing, I invite you into a conversation right now to discover the possibilities available to you. I've reserved time on my calendar at scientifichealer.com forward slash appointment. This is Dr. Anastasia. Until next time.